host's name is Chad Dukes. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. It's the Chad Dukes Radio Show. It's not free FM. So give Chad a call. Here's the number. 385-645-5375. It's Miller time. What is that, Neil? Twelve hands in a row? Dukes, you son of a bitch. Nobody's that lucky. Now here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hopel. Alpha. Delta. Yeah. Dukes. Dig it. And just in case you forgot, Big Damn Bang going two for Tuesday on a Friday on your ass there. Welcome to the Chad Duke Show Friday episode. Best of, wrap around, whatever you want to call it, friendos. Good way for you to see what you're missing during the weekdays. One of the crazier weeks we've ever had. I'm your host with the most big shooter. Gigantor is here, the executive producer, EP Eric Pickle. Hello, Gigantor. What's up, Dukes? Not much. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he is not garrulous on a Friday. And Lottie Dottie, we likes the party, is sitting in. Of course, Dottie featured prominently on Thursday's episode where we debuted the movie club. Hold on. We got to go. Breezy, get her. She got to get a two cents in there at the very end. Many thanks to the big damn band. Dottie, big part of the very first rendition of the Chad Duke show. Uh, let's see if I can get this right. The Fortress Film Society, the FFS. Of course, we uh, we do the show in the Fortress of Solid Dudes and love movies and have done movie clubs, many movie clubs with Lottie Dottie on various different shows, including our own movie show we did for a short spell before he had a mental breakdown. Good to see you, Lottie. The what the quarterly scheduled mental breakdown? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always like that. I go home and I'm like, hey, I hung out with Dotson tonight. She's like, oh, that's great. My wife will be like, I'm glad you got to see him because he's gonna freak out. And you're not gonna see him for three months. And I'm like, oh yeah. I think she at one point had beef with me because she thought that I was stringing you along. Yeah, she. I think she used those words. I've had a lot of people say that to me, like that I get used and buffaloed by you, and I'm like, it's not possible because. I've accepted Dodson for who he is, and I enjoy his company. And sometimes he freaks and, and runs to the hill like Iron Maidens. It's 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 fine. The relationship is perfectly acceptable in my in those terms. No, it's it's really nice that you know me well enough, and that you understand that sometimes I just lose my fucking mind. <laughs> um, so I appreciate you having me on as always. It's the best way of putting it, and it's also fun. It's just fun talking movies, man. You get to sit in with the uh, interview with Jay Chan Sekar and, and talk to a guy that uh, makes movies and is making a movie with Joe Coy for DreamWorks. Like, it's just fun. That discussion for me, and I know that in the, the pod world it exists, but I always wonder, you got a sports talk radio station? You got a, a political talk radio station? You don't think you could do movies and games and just have a lineup of hosts that are good, talk about that stuff all day? I bet you could. You Actually, build out your audience for once. You think? You think you possibly? You absolutely, it would be advantageous for me. And Jay's always attend when you have him on whatever program, and he just you know, awesome dude. Nothing different this time around. 
you can tell that he likes you and, and likes talking to you. I mean, what you guys did like we did like 35 minutes with him. Like, yeah, very gracious of him. Well, it's cool because we're politically we're probably not we don't have much in common at all. Um, movie wise, I think he's into different stuff than I am, but it doesn't matter because it, it doesn't matter. And he's just a funny, smart dude. And I would have him on whenever he'd be nice enough to share a couple of moments. That'll be on today's show, by the way. Dottie and I had a chance to uh, speak to Jay, of course, the director of Super Troopers and Beer Fest. And he's just done some really cool stuff, man. And he's friends with Willie Nelson and he writes books and he does TV and uh, he's got a new project he's working on. So anytime I can catch up with that guy. But you actually, during the interview, and people will be able to hear it in just a second, you brought up a good point, Dotson, is that when you're in their world, they are so known for, hey, those are the funny cops with the mustaches, right. you know, or those are the beer fest guys that I, I wonder if it's difficult to not just say, well, if we make one of these movies, our fans will come out rather than try new stuff, because that is a very hotly debated thing in entertainment right now, especially with shows like The Mandalorian or with like WandaVision. It's like fan service. Like when is fan service a good thing and when does it actually hold you back from a product because you're so busy catering to this very vocal minority? I don't think anyone's figured it out yet. Right. Uh, I think that whatever happens, I mean, you, you make this point all the time, no matter what happens, someone's always angry. And they're still figuring out who they're okay with being angry and who they're not okay with right. and what, what's going to hurt them. And sometimes they make, you know, when I say they, just like the general, these, these, these big companies, the people behind Marvel, the people behind Star Wars, they make a decision and I'll think, okay, well, that on paper, that looks pretty good. And then somehow it comes out and it's just garbage. Or it could be the other way around is they, they surprise us. We think that they're going in the wrong direction and then something works. No one has figured out the formula yet. Star Wars is such a cruel mistress, too. Like, I mean, God bless this whatever that entity is at this point, but it's become so large that there's it's not just we're catering to Star Wars fans because there's not just Star Wars fans. There's subsects. There's people that are obsessed with the books. There's people that are obsessed with the cartoons. There's people that just, you know, they hate all of the stuff outside of the original trilogy. And like. They're all lumped together and none of them are happy. And then I think you have a bunch of nerd hurt that gets injected in right. there where you're putting way too much effort. I remember when I was like 22, 23, like the Redskins would lose and I'd break stuff. And, and it's just like, dude, that was not about the team. That's about something else going on in your life. And I don't know, maybe some people don't learn that lesson. But if you're one of those like Marvel, DC, I mean, Jesus Christ, they're putting out a trailer for a movie that bombed that they have like an additional 20 minutes for or whatever. And you just see people debating it nonstop every minute of the day ad nauseum on the internet. I think I, I really appreciate Jay kind of sticking to his guns when we asked him about it. Right. And I think in the nicest way possible, he kind of said, well, they aren't the ones making the movies. We are. And so we trust ourselves. We know what's funny. And so that's what we're going to keep doing. Well, those guys, especially, yeah. I mean, you, you can't, recreate the chemistry that they have and how long they've known each other and how much writing they've done together. I mean, think about the reps those Broken Lizard guys have together just writing script after script after script. And I think was it in an interview once where it was maybe Super Troopers 2, he mentioned that the goal was to write one joke a minute. Yeah. That's unbelievable. He said the one thing we can control is just cram as many jokes into this thing as possible. But like that's that's thinking like a pro. 
Like, I've been making movies for 20 years, and so I'm going to approach it like like this. You're not just trying to, you know, wing it and be funny, and I'm sure that they could if they just went in there, like, guerrilla style, but that is proof, like, yeah, this, this people, these people know what they're doing, right. and we should trust them. Well, it's also, he's very, it's, it seems to be like these, if I'm in a comedy, I am very hyper aware if I have not laughed in a while. Yes. And that's why whenever the comedy has that breakdown in the middle where, like, the character has some sort of point they need to get past, it's, I never... Have it. It's uh, Chris Farley. When Chris Farley, when Brian Dennehy dies in Chris Farley, and he has that moment where he's like walking in, and the the leaves are falling. It just doesn't feel right to me because that it's just a mile a minute. That movie, mm-hmm. Tommy Boy. Um, Comedies are definitely the hardest. I mean, I and the most disrespected. I think. I, but I would say, like for our for our, our movie club, I think that choosing a comedy the would FFS. always be yes, sorry, the FFS. FFS. <laughs> What, choosing a comedy would always be a risky move because comedy is the most relative of all of these genres. I sure. think you know you, everyone can be excited by an action sequence. Everyone, I think, can appreciate a horror sequence, whether they're scared by it or they enjoy it. But everyone has different ideas of what they think is funny. And so comedies are probably the movies that I recommend the least to people because unless it's like a really good friend, I don't know if they're going to laugh or not, and then I don't want them to walk away and be pissed at me that I told them to watch something they don't like. Also, I wouldn't judge your intellect if you recommended an action movie to me and it, I didn't like it. But if you recommend a comedy to me and it's stupid, like if, if Tor, Tor, I guarantee Tor one day is going to come in and go, Dukes, have you seen Hot Tub Time Machine? And then we're never going to speak together, uh, speak to each other ever again. Like I don't, There's something about that, too, where comedy, I will think less of you if you think a bad comedy movie is funny, which is weird because... Ace Ventura 2 is the lowest of lowbrow, and I probably laugh the most at that movie than anything else it's on the, the planet. It's the funniest movie I've ever it's seen. It's the funniest movie I've ever seen. And you know what? It's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> well, like, we're kind of in sync. <laughs> I would feel comfortable telling you, I think you're going to laugh at this. Right. Because I know you really well. But if you're talking to, you know, almost anyone in conversation, it's it's much more of a risk. It is. Um, and I take more offense. Except if people, like, Tor said he didn't like Heat. And so I know that he does his bad taste, but like I don't, I don't take personal offense to it. Like if you, if you don't like Blues Brothers, I'm gonna get mad at you. Like I'm right. not gonna understand the way you operate. So uh, Jay, we're gonna have some of that interview for you here on today's episode. Also, I didn't know this, Lottie Dottie, you're a mark for Ant Man and his contributions to the Body Mass Index, the BMI segment that we do each and every week on the program. And this was the first week we did one down at the Outer Banks, featuring a lot of topicality from that area of the country. It's one of my fav- uh, favorite segments of the week as well. Body mass index is my favorite part of the Chad Duke show right now. Look at uh, you. And, you know, I have I certainly have had my my tiffs with Ant-Man on and off the air. Well, who has it? He's insufferable. <laughs> a lot a lot of ribbing. I mean, he was beloved on the sh- on the broadcast when we were doing that together. He was. Um, he was not beloved on Big O and Dukes. I think he does a <laughs> tremendous job. Uh, he's comfortable on the mic. He comes in. He's prepared. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, I, I love when he comes on and, and you know, shoots the shit with you guys about fast food. But that's how you got to have him on. You got to have him on about a topic that he's comfortable with and he's got to be prepared. Because if he's just sitting there giving his opinion, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> it's like the elevator door is opening up and the shining. But you're going to hear this. You're going to hear this today. This is the Body Mass Index <laughs> on the Chad Duke Show. <laughs> My favorite part of that sounder, I don't know if you noticed, Dottie, but there's two different forms of gasping for air. <laughs> Which, by the way, at the beach house, I don't know if you noticed this tour, many stairs, Ant-Man constantly sucking wind the entire weekend. (laughs) Constantly just flushed and sucking for air. So you'll hear that as well. 
today on the program. And then uh, we did a video game special. One of the reasons why you got to subscribe to the Chad Duke Show, ChadDukeShow.com. You get bonus content, and this week the bonus content was we did a full-blown video game special, and my buddy Brian Shea was on, who runs Game Informer, and there's just a shitload to talk about. And one of the things we talked about, Dottie, I know you're passionate about, the giant vampire woman with the big-ass summer hat from the new Resident Evil Village trailer. I know you said you would. I, she scares me too much, I think, to even try. Also, I think Tor's dating this woman, and she lives out of Winchester. Uh what is it about? I, I feel like the Japanese horror movies, the grudge, like the movies like that, they figured out, let's take something that normally isn't horrifying and make it horrifying. Like a 40-pound girl, let's have her skitter up the wall and clutch the ceiling and everyone won't be able to sleep for months. I, I would never have thought, wow, 10-foot-tall, very austere woman in a castle would scare the piss out of me as much as that woman in that trailer does. Yeah, I had a really similar reaction to the trailer after I cleaned off my chest. Um, <laughs> Ew! Gross! <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> out of nowhere! You okay, Tor? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just picturing it. Uh, it's horrifying. Yeah, it sure is, Dottie. It sure is. But, I, I, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm not normally a patron of the Resident Evil games. I like the movies, interesting enough. Like I, I like I, the first movie. I didn't play the games, but I, I'm a sucker for the movies. They're not all very good, but I have a lot of fun with them. Uh, this the, the trailer has me interested, though. Mortal Kombat uh, stuff looks good. By the time this people are listening to this, though, the trailer will be out, and we might feel differently. That's <laughs> but true. some of the imagery coming out. We, we talk about all that with Brian Shea from uh, Game Informer. That's coming up on the program today as well all right very good stuff well tubes always appreciate you stopping in fun time doing the movie club we're going to do another one in two weeks uh people can check that out and be a part of that if they want to go to chaddukeshow.com as well we'll do that uh, on a regular basis that's that's always fun i love a good movie club and i feel like we got a good group for this movie club i feel good about it i do as well thank you to the tubes uh all right well let's start with mr jay chandrasekhar director world-renowned comedic director love that guy on the chad duke show Make sure you sign up for the Chad Duke Show mailing list on chaddukeshow.com. Be the first to know what's happening on the program and maybe even win a prize or two. We promise we won't fill up your inbox with tasteful nudes. Well, we promise we'll truly make an effort not to. Perched on a bar stool, guitar in his hand, singing along with his invisible band. Tropical shirt, flip flops on his feet. It's Tiki Bar Tuesday with Coconut Pea. It's the Chad Dukes show. Very excited. I always like having guests on that I've known for a long time. Uh, first, I've been a fan of this gentleman for, I don't know, as long as I've been watching movies, I feel like. And then uh, he actually came to town to promote Slam and Salmon with the, with the rest of Broken Lizard. And it happened to be the exact week that the radio station flipped formats from fun talk to sports talk. So it was an odd time, and then uh, he was up here in this actual room for Big Owen Dukes once, and uh, really admire the guy and think he's a great filmmaker and a funny dude. The great Jay Chandrasekhar joins us now on the program, the Branko Solutions Hotline. Jay, always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. How are you? 
I'm good. I remember when that format switch happened. Didn't it switch two sports, right? Yeah, so it was so crazy. I was so excited to interview you guys, and we were going to do it on what was then Big O and Dukes, and our audience was huge. We had done the Beer Fest screening, and yeah. you know, we, we had chewed a lot of the same dirt. They flipped formats, driving away everybody, and then I started doing a sports show with LaFar Arrington. But I guess uh, <laughs> whoever the label was you guys were working with had already paid for the spots. I don't even know what was going on, so... I was thrilled, but it went from us hanging out and having a huge event to, I think we were in a cell phone store in Washington, D.C., interviewing all you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, we've been interviewing strange places before. When we went to Australia, uh, the publicist was trying so hard to get people to pay attention to these 509 guys who wore cop uniforms or were promoting super troopers. And she took us to a tire store opening on a Sunday morning. Oh no! And uh, and we cut the ribbon and we're taking pictures and they're like, "Here I am, guys!" And we're like eating meat pies. And it was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> well, it was ineffective. What What was the like? Is that? If you're making a list of a power ranking of the most awkward things you've had to do to promote a project, I, I can't tell you how many awkward radio appearances I've made over the years where nobody showed up and people were upset. Like, what's the most awkward one you've been through? Well, it was also Australia. I mean, you got to remember, like, the movie came out, Super Troopers came out in America, and did, you know, did pretty well, made about twenty million bucks, which was good for a million dollar movie, right? Uh, but. They thought, hey, you know, this is going to work in Australia. And by the way, the film is huge in Australia, eventually. But when we go there, nobody has ever heard of us before. And so they're like, you know, they're just trying to get as much whatever press as possible. Sure. So uh, they took us to a mall in the morning at about 11 a.m. And they had about a, a six-inch stage built in, like, the food court. And... A guy in a tuxedo got on stage and, and, and gathered all the women and their small children who were not in school and said, Ladies and children, welcome to Super Troopers from America! <laughs> and, everybody, <laughs> and we walked on stage in our uniforms because they dragged us around that country in our uniforms. And, and people laughed and smattering of applause was invented for that moment. I mean, it was just... It was, Taking pictures with like you know three or four or five year olds, it was nonsense. How how much nonsense. how much different was it? Super Troopers is now ubiquitous, and then you write the sequel. You finally get it done after years. What was it like? Because now you've had television shows. Everybody's trying to cut. I mean, I feel like there's been entire empires built off of ripping off the gimmick that you guys came up with. Yeah. How much different sure. was it promoting two uh, as opposed to one? Well, it was great. I mean, I, you know, I was on I was on the Tonight Show with uh, Fallon, and, and I was on Colbert. <laughs> you know, like everybody, because everybody who you know who runs all the runs all the shows, they're all comedy fans. So they grew up and watched our movie, and they're like, "Oh my god, they're going to come in with a mustache!" It's great. So it was uh, vastly easier, vastly easier, uh, and, and more fun. I mean, you know, like obviously the 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 film is, uh, you know, when you're working a sequel, you got to be ready to sort of kind of, because the original, like, I don't, t even me, I don't tend to see sequels because in my heart, that original movie has such a prominent place 
And I'm like, well, I used to smoke a lot with my friends and stuff. Oh, I didn't have a chat. You know, all these things were perfect for me loving that movie. So when the sequel comes out, I'm like, ah, I just remember the first one. And so you have to deal with that when you make a sequel. And I don't care. I mean, look, we made eight movies and done a ton of television. You just absorb some hits and then you move on. But it, it, you know, the movie, that movie too, is getting its own group of fans that is really taken off. It's taken off in a different way, but it's, it's really doing well, you know? It's great. Um, would there have been a crackling bacon? To, like, I see Kevin Smith is doing this restaurant pop-up bit from his properties, like going on tour, going around the country. It's a great idea. I feel like you could have done a musical tour for that one. You could have probably thrown in some Coconut Pete songs or whatever you want to do. I mean, musically, I feel like you guys got some chops now. Well, we were gonna, and we talked a lot about shooting a crackling bacon song and, <laughs> and maybe shooting a music video. Please do that. But nobody, uh, I mean, like Eric and Steve can play guitar and that's about it. I mean, you know, <laughs> Lemmy can fake play drums, Heffernan can fake play bass, and I can kind of fake play guitar, but, you know, I, I can sort of, not really. It would sound terrible. And, and I know we can fake it, but uh, I think we're just going to stay in our lane on this one. Yeah, but I think you could look, man. John Belushi can't play any instruments. You know, Dan Aykroyd. I think he can play the harmonica. I mean, there's just ways to go about this. You get some studio. I mean, Kevin Costner. Do we really think that you know he's Jimmy Page up there, or does he have twelve studio musicians behind him that kick ass? I don't know. I, I think it's worth thinking about. Um, I, I had to ask. I had an interesting text exchange with you the other day where. Uh, I, I love Club Dread. I started a Club Dread uh, tribute band. Uh, I just think it's it's funny. I thought it was ahead of its time uh, as far as meshing horror. And we're doing a movie club, actually, for this episode for Freaky, which is a horror comedy. And I just feel like you guys are way out ahead. Uh, the curve on that one, I feel like it doesn't... It's not on Blu-ray, and it pisses me off. And once every six months I get drunk and I text you, please release Club Dread on Blu-ray, and I feel bad that you have to get those texts. Um, but I, I took a... I'm not... I'm I'm not the guy in charge of what films go on Blu-ray. I okay. Know. I get that. It's probably still Hansky. I, prob I probably should send him those things. I've called the studio. I've called the studio and said, can you put this out on Blu-ray? They're like, yeah, man. Yeah, we'll get back here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way it goes. But you guys put out a seven-inch record of Bill Paxton, who is the best, uh, performing all of those songs um, a couple years back, and it was tremendous. And then that same record company put up a post a few months back saying, hey, we're doing a 12-inch version of this. And on the jacket is you. It's all the guys. It's everybody from the press photo from the movie. So I sent it over and I said, hey, man, I'm a little pissed. You know I have a band that covers these songs. I really wish you would have let me know this was going down. And your response was, where the hell did you see this? I got no knowledge of what's going on here. Someone's <laughs> someone's ripping us off. Does that happen all the time? How did that take place? Well, I don't know. Like <laughs> the truth is, I'm not in charge of that portion of our uh, merchandise. And so, right after you sent that text, Eric Stolhansky sent me a text and said, "Do you want the new Coconut Pete album?" And I was like, "Oh." I guess it is us, right? And and so I said, sure. And then uh, so then they sent me a couple of them. Uh, and then I'm like, I don't even have a record player. Uh, 
But uh, if you want, I'll send you one or two or three or whatever. Well, and, no, I'm gonna uh, buy. I'm gonna buy it. I like to support what uh, you guys do for God's sakes. I want you to continue to make content. I'm dealing with certain portions of our merch, which is really related to this company, the Chive. I don't know if you know that. They're, they're, of course. They're basically, yeah, yeah, you know the Chive. So uh, they sell. Uh, Bill Murray swag, uh, Chris Farley swag, and, and Broken Lizard swag. Uh, and so I'm kind of involved in that. Uh, and and Eric is dealing with uh, the other section of our merchandise. So he's the one who, and uh, he knew about this record. I didn't. So I don't, you know. I mean, it's a but, tremendous but, uh, record. I, I just think that there's some value also in hearing those songs covered by a portly disgruntled disc jockey. I think people should also check that out if they'd like to really hear the true <laughs> interpretations. I mean, it's, it's an honor that you've done this. You know, and I've seen the crowd, and it's an honor. It's incredible. It's a great flick. Uh, I'm very excited. You got a new gig. Uh, one of the reasons why we were supposed to link up last week, but it sounded like it was a big week for you because uh, you're a director, you're a writer, you're an actor, so you're always doing stuff, even if it's not Pot Fest or Beer Fest 2 or whatever everyone's screaming about on social media. W- what is the new gig for Mr. J. Chandler Sekar? There's, there's a comic named Joe Coy who's... Uh... He's on Netflix. He's got I love him. Threes. He's great. Yeah. So he, he's like, he's like a Filipino American guy, funny guy. He, you know, he sells out the forum multiple nights in a row. He's just a huge, he's kind of huge in certain sections of the country. Uh, and, and frankly, the Philippines is massive. But uh, the, for some reason, Spielberg, uh, Mr. Spielberg saw Joe Coy stand up and said, I love this guy. Let's meet him. This girl went in, and Steven Spielberg said, let's make a movie with you. And so they, they hired a writer, and they wrote this kind of, like a, like the movie Friday, sort of. You know, like it all takes place in one day. Hmm. You know, it, it's like, it's just like, the, the, it's, we're trying to, uh, trying to go after his stand-up. He, he kind of makes a lot of fun of his Filipino family. So it's going to be like him going home for Easter Sunday. A little bit of mobster action, and there's a family, and it's just it's sort of fun. We're trying to make a really funny Jill Coy movie. Uh, uh, and so I'm going up to Vancouver with Joe, uh, and we're going to start shooting in the beginning of May, and then, you know, we'll be done about mid June, and I'll start cutting. And and I, I leave for Vancouver, you know, fairly soon, and then I'm going to be in quarantine for two weeks, um, you know, which will be. Alone, me alone in a in a in an apartment. <laughs> it sucks. And then I just they release you. So we'll see. And I got COVID and I had to stay in quarantine for ten days. And I don't know if you've done it already. You run out of you run out of shit to do. <laughs> like you just run out of ways to kill the time. I mean, yeah. Internet's great. Porn's great. Uber Eats is great. Like I love all that. I play the video games. I read the books. But it's just like by day seven or eight, you're like I've I would kill to walk into a dirty Target right now. If I could go to the dirtiest <laughs> Target in North America, I would right now. <laughs> well. I'm like, I mean, I don't even know what to do. I'm like, I'm kind of trying to imagine what I'll need, books-wise and movie-wise, but I guess, you know, guess I'm about to find out. Drinking. I think drinking probably helps quite a bit. Um, well, that's awesome, man. I don't know if you've... Um... Have you seen what Joe Coy does in Hawaii when he goes to Hawaii and the and the rooms he can sell out in that place? Yeah, I saw the Netflix special in Hawaii, uh, which was funny. Yeah, he's got this, 
appeal, of course, to Filipino Americans and Filipinos, but also to Latino people, because I guess uh, Spain at one point conquered the Philippines. Uh, so there's a sort of a crossover there. Uh, and then he's just got this big, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people in the audience for sure, but there's all sorts of different people in that audience. It's a really multi, uh, multi-racial kind of crowd. Yeah, I, um, I, I think he's funny as I think he's funny as shit. I heard I heard him on Corolla's show, uh, and he would just oh, yeah. he would destroy. And Corolla's a funny dude, and he would crack Adam up the whole thing. If you can make funny people laugh, like that's kind of next level Zen funniness, you know. And I just he he seems to do really well whatever room he's in. That's going to be exciting to see you guys working together. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. You know, it's like it's like you kind of you kind of figure out what you know, what the movie should be, and then you try to go out and capture what makes him funny and put it in there, you know? It's like, it's a little different than your typical Broken Lizard movie where we write 30, 30 drafts of the script. This is kind of like, you know, there's going to be a little more kind of rehearsal and improvisation and trying to find, you know, because you, when you take stand-ups and turn them into actors, you've got to make sure they're comfortable and they feel that they're being funny because the crew's not allowed to laugh. So you kind of got to, put some of their favorite bits in and try to, you know, you break those jokes apart and reconstruct them for the film, for film. Jay Dotson here from The Movie Show. One thing I love about your projects is the way that the fans rally behind them, like during production and all of that, with the Kickstarters and, you know, all of the love and um, and support that went into making Super Troopers 2 from the audience, the audience that you, you and the guys had already built. It was awesome. Now we're in a weird timeline where... You know, no Kickstarters, no real interaction with with the creators, um, such as as yourself. But we see these fans and kind of what they've done with Warner Brothers, and now we're we're in the space where Zack Snyder's Justice League is is hitting HBO Max in a couple of days. Something that you know has been s- some weird internet trend for years at this point. What does that mean to you as a creator who has had you know these experiences with with his audience and and how it can lead to to new projects and new endeavors? Well, I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I feel bad for filmmakers whose, whose major films are, are finished and waiting now, uh, because it's it's it. You know, everyone says, "Oh, I just had to watch it at home," and it's it's nonsense. I mean, it's like these films should be these big films should be out and in front of crowds, and so should, frankly, our films, comedy. They should be. And they will be again, by the way. This is just, uh, this is just, I know everyone thinks that this moment is the moment that'll be last forever. It's not. I mean, you know, in my opinion, as soon as this COVID is really done, there's going to be, watch and see if the orgy movement doesn't pick back up again. (laughs) People are going to be, are going to be, are going to be intentionally unclean, right? That's going to be the the new hip. And, uh, and movies are going to come back. Because we need, we're social animals. It's just a reality. But to have a movie come out and build and make all and, and put it out on a streamer, it's it, it, every one of those filmmakers is feeling really sad inside. I mean, Christian Wiig's movie's coming out on uh, that way. That movie made over a hundred billion dollars in the theaters. It's like, come on! I mean, come, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. But it is what it is for the moment. You can also just wait and and. Wait till September and keep your life on hold. But 
the truth of the, and the reason I think I'm right is because the truth of the economic model of theaters is it's it's sound. If people go, then the home video is worth X dollars more, and the airplane's worth more. It, 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 we have a system built on theatrical success. So if we can get people back in, they're going to certainly try. I mean, it, I believe it'll happen. The Chad Duke Show merchandise store is up and running. So click the shop tab on chaddukeshow.com for show t-shirts and koozies. It is the Chad Dukes Show video game spectacular. Very excited for this episode. We have a, a cavalcade of credible guestery here today. Uh, now for you, ladies, gentlemen, Brian Shea is my buddy. I think he's come on every radio show that I have done. Does a great job. Digital editor for Game Informer Magazine. It's Brian P. Shea on all the social medias. And of course, check out his work. Gameinformer.com, as always. Brian, great to talk to you, buddy. How are you? Yeah, man, it's been a while. I'm uh, I'm doing all right. It's a little uh, a little frigid up here in Minneapolis, but I think we're coming out of it at the end of this week, so all good. A little frigid down here. I can't even imagine what it's like up there, but that's a beautiful piece of country up there. You just have to deal with uh, Antarctic, John Carpenter's The Thing-like conditions for about three months out of the year. Oh, yeah, the lakes are amazing. I mean, the, the summer, you could not ask for a better summer, uh, so... You know, we kind of tolerate the winter in hopes of the reward of the summer. And you got the tubes, right? I think we've talked about the tubes where you walk from building to building inside the tubes. I always find that to be very interesting. Yeah. So the skyways. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that's only downtown and I live out in the burbs. So it's not uh, <laughs> it's not really beneficial to me right now. Uh, but yeah, when like whenever I have to go downtown and like move from building to building that's always like the way to do it super cool well, let's start with the biggest story Kamara Usman how impressive is that dude are, are you surprised that I saw some comments from George St. Pierre kind of downplaying how he wouldn't be an interested in a fight like that I would imagine it's because he doesn't think that he'll uh, win a fight like that would be one of the motivating factors but man that would be a super fight I'd pay to see yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is everybody's always talking about like, all right, is Khabib going to come back and and take on somebody uh, at 155? But I, I think I would probably favor Kamaro if Khabib came back to fight Kamaro. But that's the fight I want to see is I want to see if Khabib's going to come back for 30 and 0 or try for 30 and 0. I want to see it against Kamaro. Uh, but GSP would be amazing as well. But I, I think that you know, I think Kamaro right now the way he's fighting, the way he he's just demolishing everyone in his path. I think he beats GSP coming off of you know what what has it been like three year four year layoff again yeah I, mean, I, I think that's that's Kamara's fight to take and I'm a big fan of Michael Bisbing and I'm a, I'm a big fan of him on the mic and just kind of his whole career and how he won his title but I think there's a reason why GSP unretired and came back to win that title against that guy too he seems to be a bit of a chess player when it comes to booking himself uh and I get that part of the game as well um speaking of games I got so much to ask you about um I didn't think I would – the last time I had John, it was a few months ago, and I think we were talking about the next-gen systems. I, I didn't think it would be months later 
And I'd still be sitting here looking at eBay and having to throw down $1,000 if I want one of these things. Can you kind of take us through, I, I guess maybe I've forgotten what it was like when Xbox One and PlayStation 4 came out, if they were this difficult to find. I remember the Wii was a bear for months and months and months to try to get one, but why are we still having such a difficult time finding these machines now as consumers? Well, a lot of the consoles have had stuff like this. Like like you said, the Wii was just insane trying to find for almost a full year, if I recall. Uh, the Wii U obviously did not have that big of a problem. Uh, I think I walked into a store on day one. I was like, hey, I'd like a Wii U. And they're like, all right, yeah, we've got plenty. Uh, the, uh, the Switch, though, did have some supply shortage. I think that it took several months before that was readily available in stores. And then when the pandemic happened, they went out of stock all over again because people wanted to play Animal Crossing in the pandemic. So uh, I remember the PS4 did have some supply issues early on, but I, I feel like by Christmas time, it was pretty much remedied, maybe early the following year. But yeah, I think that this is a combination of just unprecedented demand for these consoles, because like I said, with like the pandemic, so many people are staying home and playing video games. Video games had one of their biggest years ever in 2020. And combine that with the fact that a lot of the supply chain stuff is also impacted by COVID. So it's making it tougher for them to, to manufacture these and get them shipped to where they need to be. Uh, that said, I think it is becoming slightly easier in recent weeks in particular. I've had a couple of friends who have been trying to help out uh, to find them. Uh, like every time I see somebody like, like cheapassgamer.com is a great website to follow. And they'll often post like, all right, it's going live on... Uh, on Amazon in X number of minutes, like keep refreshing until you see it. And like, I've been watching those like a hawk, trying to like just passing the links along. Hey, this is going live in five minutes. Go go try to get it. And my friends are finally starting to get them after striking out for months on end. So definitely some methods to like, if you want to devote some extra time where you're going to have more success than if you're just like, you know, waking up every morning, checking the usual suspects and then be like, oh, well, not today, I guess. So, uh, to answer your question, I think we're going to probably start seeing these consoles coming closer to readily available, probably by, you know, by the time the weather starts warming up, I would say we're probably going to start seeing it easier to get them. I almost find it to be a blessing, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, I just don't feel like the, when these things start up, the catalog's not necessarily there. Uh, the, a lot of the games coming out, they're still being made for, you know, PlayStation fours uh, and Xbox ones mm -hmm. or whatever it is. So I, I kind of, I also don't know how you feel about it, Brian. I, I don't really fault people that make their money flipping stuff. It's like, whatever, they're not hurting anyone. It's not illegal. I also in no way want to support it. Like, I don't like buying scalp tickets. I don't like buying people that are flipping stuff as far as, you know, collecting cards or vintage games or whatever it is. Like, go ahead and do that. But I, I am willing to wait, even if I could afford it, to not be a part of that whole machine. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I, you know what? People got to make money the way they got to make money. But at the same time, I don't have to support them in their their ventures. I don't want to encourage people to, you know, go and buy up the entire stock of PS5s and then flip them for a thousand dollars when people could have just like people who actually wanted to play them could have gone and bought them at Target or whatever, wherever they went. So I uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you where it's, I'd prefer if they didn't. But I, I get it. 
Yeah, I get it as well. Uh, my buddy Brian Shea from Game Informer is on the Chad Duke Show. It's at Brian P. Shea. You can follow him on social media. Talk to me about the new Resident Evil. Um, they do such a great job of shaking things up, and they've kind of the cottage industry is shocking all with them, especially when a trailer comes out. But I got to say, the giant vampire woman with the big hat, I, I don't know what it is about her, but I, I first saw people discussing her, and then I'm like, oh, God, I'm just so tired of the internet just going crazy about things that aren't worthy. And then I watched the trailer, and I'm like, what What on earth? I think that because it's such a non-conventional look and feel, uh, and the the building is interesting, and the the family structure is interesting, and it's you know supposed to be a sequel to Biohazard, but it's not. But it's not exactly. You don't really know what's going on at first, and that playable trailer was. It looked beautiful, and it was really spooky. But you really don't know what's. I don't know, man. I feel like whatever that marketing is, it gives. It's giving me like a Cloverfield vibe, or that first Cloverfield movie. People were just trying for months to figure out what the hell was going on. I'm getting a vibe <laughs> like that with the giant vampire lady with the big hat, uh, big hat. Yeah, they're doing a really great job of uh, kind of drip feeding it. It's weird because, you know, for the longest time, we only had like an announcement, essentially, that like, hey, Resident Evil Village and like a, a, a very small teaser. And then one day, I think it was a PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X, like promotional video with uh, tennis player Naomi Osaka. She was playing Resident Evil Village, and like that yeah. was our first look at gameplay. And it was like, what? Why, why is this the the first look of gameplay that we get of this game? Um, that was kind of a weird thing. But you know, since then they've started, like, like you said, they had the the playable demo. They've uh, they've re- they pulled back the curtains quite a bit now, and I think it's it's really going to start ramping up with the release coming towards us. Uh, but they've done a great job of kind of building the mystery, which is difficult in a franchise that has uh, has been around for so long, has had so many entries out. It's like, all right, yeah, we get it, zombies, we get it, all right, grotesque horror. But they, I mean, I think Resident Evil 7 really reinstated the the sense of you have no idea what's going on, you have no idea what to expect, because, you know, it was the first time that it was first person, it was all in this, this one, like, decrepit house in uh, what was out in the bayou. So it was like... It was like an entirely different vibe than anything Resident Evil had done to that point, especially Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6, which were essentially third-person shooter action games. Uh, So I really like the way 7 flipped it up on its head, and then you have 8 or Village that is just completely – it looks like it's along the same lines as 7, but at the same time, they've held their cards so close to the vest that it's you really don't know what to expect, and I love that about it. I think so too, and I think like um, when when they take chances, saying, "Hey, we're going to completely put this in a different." I, I love the Bioshock games; it's my fa- it's my favorite franchise. But there's going to be a weird ass city, and there's going to be monsters. I mean, you just kind of know what's going to happen. Like when I play Borderlands, I know exactly what it's going to look and feel like, and just you know, with the mechanics and the consumables and all that, you kind of know what you're getting with the Resident Evil game. But I do like that that franchise is as established as it is, and has this voracious. Uh, community, but they'll still just whack you upside the head, disorient you. It's like, you know, a, a fighter can get his bell wrong, and if a fighter gets his bell wrong, well, then it doesn't matter. Skills go out the window, his equilibrium's off, and I feel like they're very good with doing that with their fan base. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's when series that start to get a little stale, that's when they really make their comeback. Like, we saw it with Assassin's Creed. Like, I think that original assassin's creed formula started petering out even though i think syndicate was probably the best game in that style which was the last one they put out and then they, they followed that up with origins which completely 
changed everything up for Assassin's Creed. And then uh, you're an eye favorite uh, Odyssey. Yeah, that, love it. Which, which is easily my favorite Assassin's Creed game at this point. But, uh, you know, I think that that's the kind of change-ups that these long-running franchises need. You can't just rest on your laurels and be like, all right, well, people loved this game 20 years ago. Let's just keep putting out that style. It's it's nice to see these franchises taking chances on these big uh, – or these companies taking chances on these big franchises. I think – did we differ on what we felt about Valhalla? Because I was, I was so bummed out after Odyssey. I played the game for about, I think, six or seven hours and just said, this isn't nearly as good, and I, I bounced. Now, I've had a couple of other Assassin's Creed truthers in my life kind of come out and say, hey, get back, give it another chance. But I think also what happened, Brian, is that I went from Odyssey – to Ghost of Tsushima, which is like another period piece open worlder, but I also think it might mm-hmm. be a top. I think you and I agree on this. I think it might be a top five game all time for me. Like it's just wow, gorgeous, and the music and the voice casting and just it's an unbelievable experience. But it is different than an Assassin's Creed game, and it focuses on the duels. So I don't know if that threw me off, but I saw you just wrote a piece about Valhalla and some of these new add-ons. That one just didn't resonate with me the same way Odyssey did. <laughs> Yeah, so Valhalla didn't grab me as much as Odyssey did either. I only put about, I want to say, 15 or 20 hours into Valhalla before I, I moved on to Cyberpunk, uh, which is a whole other thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I want to go back to Valhalla, but every time I do, I feel not as compelled as I ever did with Odyssey. And I don't know if that's the setting, because I feel like they, they have so much fog, and I understand that's the setting, that you're in England. So like it just I feel like the fog kind of like lowers the visual fidelity for me and it feels not as crisp coming off of something like Odyssey where it's just these beautiful scenic shots or or Ghost of Tsushima where it's just no matter where you look there's just unforeseen beauty. It's it's one of the it's Crazy. probably the most beautiful game I've ever played and by the way uh, you were talking about PS5 uh when I got my PS5, I was just finishing up all the side quests on Ghost of Tsushima, so I downloaded it to my PS5. It runs so smooth on wow. PS5. It, it's even better on PS5, and I was shocked by that. Uh, but back to, to uh, Valhalla, I don't like the setting quite as much, um, but I do think that there are some cool things built into it. Um, I like the, the raids, uh, which they actually added a new mode in this update that you mentioned uh, called River Raids where you go to other parts of England and just basically raid these settlements and take their loot and treasures and complete challenges and stuff. So that's cool. And they keep adding new updates. So hopefully they, you know, keep making these improvements and uh, it's not a bad game by any stretch, but I I think that Odyssey is still going to be my favorite. You had a pedantic uh, Tekken question, right? Tor, what did you want to ask Brian? I 100% did. Uh, As a big Tekken nerd, I know this would probably be deemed a Mortal Kombat show uh, that we do here. It's not a Mortal Kombat show. I just like Mortal Kombat. Well, with your uh, proclivities for Mortal (laughs) Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat show. (laughs) That's what the show's all Uh, about. We talk Mortal Kombat every day. My God. Well, Brian, I've been kind of eagerly waiting for the for Tekken 8 to be released by Namco simply because the Tekken 7 multiplayer lobbies have been horrendous for me as a rather casual gamer. But I know Namco's done a really good job of keeping uh, Tekken 7 fresh with the DLC and all of that. So I've seen reports that the earliest, like the absolute earliest that we could see a Tekken 8 drop on the market uh, is late 2021. Uh, where, when do you expect that, that 8 comes out for this series? Oh, man. So, yeah, they've done a great job. They've kind of done what uh, what Street Fighter V, which actually just celebrated its uh, its fifth anniversary this week, 
uh, they've done a great job of kind of keeping this, the game alive and making it so that people want to keep coming back through new content and new DLC and everything. But yeah, at a certain point, you do want that new entry. Um, I haven't heard anything in like specific about when we could get a Tekken 8, but I do think that uh, given how quiet it's been around it, I think that, yeah, late 2021 probably is the earliest we would see it. Um, I would say that if we're going to get an announcement, it would probably be closer to uh, uh, E3 timing, even though like there's not going to be a conventional E3 again this year. But it does seem like there's some streaming events happening. They've, they've announced preliminary plans to make that a digital event. And that's typically when we have gotten Tekken uh, news. Like I, I've actually done interviews with the creator of Tekken at E3, and it's always been like, all right, this is our big info dump. So if they remain true to that, that's when we would probably hear the first stuff, maybe a tease just before that. Uh, it's just everything is so weird now with COVID where it's like, you know, you don't have as many events to announce things. So sometimes you'll just wake up on a random Tuesday and it's like, oh, they announced Tekken 8. Uh, other times it's like everything has been pushed. Like I've talked to a lot of developers and it's like timelines on things that were planned late 2020 into mid 2021 have just been pushed into 2022 because of just the difficulties of everybody working from home, the difficulties of, you know, just dealing with everyday life while everybody's at home. Uh, you know, you have to worry about things like, oh, well, my daycare is closed. So I have to also take care of my kid while I'm trying to do work. So it's stuff like that is also pushing a lot of these announcements uh, further out. Uh, not, I'm not saying that's what happened necessarily with Tekken 8, but I think that uh, it's entirely possible. By the way, now you have me all self-conscious because I did have a Mortal Kombat question for Brian, and now I'm like, do people think this is a Mortal Kombat show? It's, now I feel a weird <laughs> tor it's just, it's squealing air brakes. Um, what did you think they released in the images? I saw they just as we were uh, as we are taping this is earlier in the day today, of course, as you're listening. Uh, they just released Scorpion, but they're doing all these um, kind of animated vignette kind of character profile pics on the Mortal Kombat movie. I've got to say, Brian, I'm very I'm very nervous that we're getting a trailer uh, on Thursday for, I don't know when people are listening to this, for a movie that comes out in like two months. Like, I don't know that's generally the way you do it, but these characters look great. I mean, it looks like they're definitely hitting a home run with the hardcore fan base. If you would have told me a 2021 Mortal Kombat movie was going to have a chance to kick ass, I don't know if I would have believed you. I know I'm going to watch it. What do you think about what we've seen thus far? I think those characters look great. They I mean, do. especially Sub-Zero, if you look at like the details that they got on him, including even the Ice Sword, it's like, oh man, they they nailed the vibe of these characters. They nailed the look of these characters. I think that the, the animated posters that they put out look really cool. Um, I'm less concerned about like the way the, the fighting will look, which I think is the most important part of a Mortal Kombat movie. Like, you know, they could have a cool story. Like, what is it? Like a, a retired MMA fighter is like trying to like enter the Mortal Kombat tournament or something like that, or it was some weird thing like that. But uh, you know, I don't necessarily need a really cool story to no. want to want to see a Mortal Kombat movie. Like you go to those things for the action. You go to the and it sounds like they're working with like very knowledgeable uh, martial artists and choreographers. So I'm hoping that 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 bodes well for what we're gonna get. Uh, but also, you know, just you want to see these characters come to life. Uh, you want to see. Sub-Zero and Scorpion fight it out on the big screen or whatever screen you end up watching it on I in do. the pandemic. But, I want that. Uh, like that's, <laughs> this is why I'm subscribing to HBO Max. I want all these movies to come on my – like it's it, – I don't know about you. I, I do miss the theater experience. I do. But at the same time, it's awesome to just be like, I'm going to make dinner and then go downstairs and watch Wonder Woman or whatever movie just hit HBO Max. 
You can always donate to The Chad Duke Show using the Donate tab on chaddukeshow.com. You'll help us keep improving the product, and you'll earn yourself a verbal nod on the next episode. We thank you for your support, friendos. The BMI is going to be interesting today. Well, let's go ahead and hit your production app, man. This is the Body Mass Index on The Chad Duke Show. Body Mass Index, of course. Uh, we're going to kind of... It's going to be a mutated some bitch today because we all kind of have a role to play in this. But uh, let's get the formatics in, man. Let's get the, uh, the pomp and circumstance out of the way. You did review a new snack for us here today to uh, satisfy the requirements of the Body Mass Index. Yes, I did. Uh, so the snack that I reviewed is by Candy Pop popcorn and it was a snickers flavored popcorn snickers flavored anything ice cream bars uh cookies any of that generally going to be pretty good if i had to rank candy bars through like a power ranking they're probably the duke the unc you know they're going to be there every single year yeah so the the popcorn had chocolate in it um peanuts everything that you would find in a snickers bar was in the popcorn a lot of potential yeah definitely a lot of potential it it was in little clusters um so there was five servings in the bag. Uh, a serving is one and a quarter cup and 150 calories. Now that's fucking ridiculous, by the way. I mean, if you think about a cup, it's not like a tumbler. It's a little measuring cup yeah. from baking. That's that's nothing. Yeah. Why even eat it? Like I've never understood that. Like if, if you're that concerned about empty calories, why would you even eat that stuff? Because you're not going to be satiated in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Stupid. It, it, it is stupid. And Dumb. but but what's odd is there was zero cholesterol in it, which is pretty okay. crazy. There also was zero honor in you when you when you squealed, Stop it, Tor, you're hurting me. <laughs> that, that is true as okay. well. All right. Uh nine grams. Right over of there, fat. by the way, is where it happened. I'm looking at right where it happened. <laughs> Tar, let up on me. You done hurt me. Hold on, I gonna get this pillow here and wallop you. <laughs> While you'll be upside your dome. Uh, there's uh, 18 grams of carbs and 12 grams of sugar, so like that's, that. a, that's a win. It's probably um, taste good. As far as the flavor of it, uh, I, I'm going to give it a 3.5 on the flavor. It tastes good. There wasn't enough chocolate and stuff in it. It, it had like a hint of a Snickers flavor, but you really had to put a bunch in your mouth so that you had everything combined. Otherwise, a lot of isolation was, yeah. happened on this episode. And then... Um, for the quantity, the bag is enormous, and it was maybe a quarter full. Yeah, I hate that bit. <laughs> oh, Terrible I, bit. Yeah, it, it, it was. I wasn't happy with that. I'll, I'll give that a 2.5. Um, and, and as far as an overall, uh, and, and the price of it was three ninety nine, So that wasn't too bad. Um, I'll, I'll give the pricing a 4, but I gave it a 3.5 overall rating. Snickers branding uh, that doesn't follow through, very disappointing, I would say. 3.5 is not a bad score for that, though. No. I mean, I, w- I would eat it again, probably. I, w- I was a little disappointed, but you're right. Snickers, anything chocolatey flavored is good. Popcorn, I mean. I'm not a big popcorn guy, but uh, the, our buddy fan of radio, who's, of course, a big listener of this show, his, uh, his kid was doing some sort of fundraiser, and they were selling... Uh, like artisan popcorn that stuff was amazing it was unbelievable the churro popcorn and it was the first i regret i had a tour moment where i didn't know that caramel corn mixed with cheesy popcorn is a thing yeah. i guess i think it's called chicago style Yeah, chicago style yep that is a spectacular snack yep it is the perfect combination of the sweet and savory uh really really good stuff so Every other type of popcorn I've kind of subsequently tried after that has been a bit of a letdown. Yeah, that that popcorn that his son was selling was amazing. And you're right, they did have they had a, 
a great uh, a variety of popcorn, and, and it was a really good deal, too. I think I don't like about popcorn. I don't know how you boys feel about this. I feel like there's going to be a lot of t- toothpicking afterwards, which I'm not a big fan of. And then it is in no way satiating. Like, you could eat whatever type of popcorn forever, and you're never going to get a modicum fuller than you were before. I mean, it's a good snack. If you fizz, It's like light beer. If you just want to sit there and consume it all day, yeah. uh, but you, you're never going to get any satiation whatsoever. Yeah, for sure. It's a bummer. All right, Ant-Man, let's, uh, let's do our uh, dollar menu items here, um, and then we need to get to the uh, sliced pizza that we had, which was absolutely spectacular. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So uh, the first big news that I found was, of course, at my favorite place on earth, McDonald's. You do like McDonald's. Is bringing back high sea orange. And not only are they bringing back high sea orange, but they are having free fries Friday from now through June. So if you spend a dollar on a large high sea, sure. you get a free French fries. What type of uh, high sea is that again? The orange high sea. Okay. Do you remember about 30 minutes ago when Tor said, hey guys, my story is the orange lava burst. High sea is coming back to McDonald's, so don't use that one. And we both said, okay. No, I don't remember that. Well, that happened about 30 minutes ago right over there. Oh. Well, I had that written down from yesterday. Right, but do you remember 30 minutes ago when Tor said the story I'm going to use for the BMI is the orange lava burst uh, high C is coming back to McDonald's, and we both said, okay. Uh, I'm, my brain is not working after last night, so <laughs> I don't remember it. The, 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 Sorry, Tor. The guys, I mean, they'll, the, the, the destruction left in the wake of the narcissists <laughs> this weekend has been exponential. Well, you got hosed there, Tor. Yeah, I, uh, I had actually written that down to pit, be pitched as a real topic on the show last week. Right. Now, I, it, w- it was so impactful for me that, that, w- that the Orange High Sea lava burst, not the Orange High Sea. Yeah, that's why I kept asking because I knew he didn't have that detail. Was coming back. It was, it was important to me. I didn't even want to put it You like that my, stuff? I, I do because, I mean, every kid has that drink that they had with the Happy Meal when they grew up, right? Sure. That they, it, it was it, – for me, it's on the top three. It's on – it's on the Mount Rushmore of fast food drinks. It's up there with McDonald's Sprite. It's up there with, uh, what was it? What would I say? Chick-fil-A, sweet tea. It's it's up there. The, I, the only reason I didn't like it is there were no bubbles. And I just felt like you need to have a carbonated beverage if you're going to be eating fast food. But I understand the nostalgia hearkening back. I was surprised at how many people seemed excited about it on social media when I saw the story. I was even more surprised when about half an hour ago you said, hey, I'm doing that story. And then I heard it <laughs> kind of come out of Ant-Man's mouth without all of the details. Um, mine's pretty straightforward. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up is, <coughs> excuse me, Popeye's is re-adding chicken nuggets to its menu. Now, for those of you that don't know, I think you can find this in places. Maybe we can get a copy of it and post it on the website. I did a show... I don't even know how many years ago, probably eight, nine years ago now. It was called the Chicken Nugget Show in 4D. And it was me, Dukes. It was Drab T-shirt. It was Dan Creasy. And it was Danny Ruye. The funny thing is, I doubt either of the other three hosts would take a phone call from me now, which is very sad for me. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. Um, We did an hour-long show about nothing but chicken nuggets and why chicken nuggets were such a great food and if boneless wings were considered chicken nuggets and the difference between the tender and the nugget, if it sounds pedantic and annoying, it is, but we still had a really good time. The reason why this is big is that I think it was pastry before he got hit by a bus and knocked off a cliff into a sea of sharks, laser beams on top of their head. He brought Chick-fil-A nuggets. He brought chicken McNuggets. He brought Wendy's nuggets. And then he brought Popeye's chicken nuggets and Popeye's won. It was the most well-reviewed and well-received on that show. 
I always love Popeye's nuggets. I never think of nuggets when I go to Popeye's, which is strange because they're, you know, chicken is their stock and trade. But I was excited to see those coming back because I remember doing that show and having a lot of fun and people dug it. And the Popeye's nuggets were the ones that won the day. Um, what's your go-to nugget, gentlemen, if you had to pick one? On my drive down here in, uh, in Ash, uh, Ashland, uh, I was excited. I saw there was a, a big rest stop. All right. Stopped at a Wawa, got a case of seltzers. All right. Uh, got some got some. Uh, gas. Which you subsequently drank three hours later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Sensing a theme here. And then I, uh, I also saw there was a Wendy's. And I wanted to get, you know, a Baconator for the road. And I wanted to get some, some of their uh, nuggets because I think they're good on the road also. Okay. Because I feel like McDonald's nuggets are enhanced so much better when you can dip them. And okay. dipping in the car is much more difficult, especially on a... a during an ice storm on a major highway. Well, I'd also say McDonald's nuggets are actually designed um, to enhance dipping because yes. they're so flat, and I don't think a lot of other nuggets from fast food places are. Yeah, and then I, I'm thinking Wendy's. All right, I'm going to get – they're kind of soft. They're going to be warm. It's freezing outside. I'm going to get that. Uh, it'll be good. And then I was um, – apparently – there was a uh, – there must have been some festival being held at this Wendy's because I sat in that drive through line for about – 10 minutes, and yep. I didn't move up one spot. So I then went to Popeye's and just got two chicken sandwiches and a thing of tenders. You, there, I don't know what it is, the fast food joints that are off the highway. Um, unless it's Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger, you generally don't get the sharpest knives in the drawer working at those places. Mm-hmm. They're so much worse. There's an Arby's that my wife and I go to every single time we drive down to the Outer Banks. It's really the only time I get to an Arby's because there's not one convenient for me. We have never had a good experience at this Arby's. They close early. They run out of things. You wait in line forever. Uh, They have never updated this Arby's. It's next to the Maritime Museum. There's a big whale skeleton in the um, hanging in this thing. And I know because we'll just sit there forever waiting for the beef and cheddars to come out. I love Arby's. Like, Arby's is tremendous. I I looked into it, by the way. The beef and cheddar is almost as bad for you as, like, a double quarter pounder with cheese. It's unbelievably unhealthy. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, I've had the similar... Whenever you're off a highway, like where people are only going to that place because they're driving through and they don't have to... No one is going to hold you accountable. I just feel like the service at those fast food restaurants goes through the basement. I asked you what nugget you like the best. You didn't tell me. You just, I was good. I'd say... <laughs> when, I, I, uh, for the car drive now, I would say Wendy's. But uh, overall, I'd say McDonald's. Okay. I mean, Chick-fil-A nuggets, they don't give me a nugget vibe. It's just... They almost like, taste healthy to me, the yeah. Chick-fil-A nuggets. I like them, but they're delicious. I'm, I'm with you. I would rather have tenders or a sandwich from Chick-fil-A. It's not even close. What about you, Ant-Man? Uh, my favorite nugget is definitely the McDonald's nugget. I like all the dipping sauces. They're just easy to deal with, handle, and they're perfectly bite-sized. Burger King's never gotten it right. Like, their nuggets suck. I think they give you 10 for, like, a dollar. They basically are giving them away. Uh, the chicken fries, like, they just have never been able to figure out how to do nuggets. I will say this. If I'm being critical of McDonald's, I don't think they're spicy chicken nuggets or anything special. I don't think they taste spicy at all. It's got to be McDonald's chicken nuggets, though. The 20-piece with a bunch of sauce is about as good as it gets. Um, I can eat them as a side. I can eat them as a meal. And I know it's not real chicken. I know you bite into it. People find heads and cartilage and shit all the time. But who cares? You're going to McDonald's anyway. I don't think you're <laughs> all that concerned. Um, so that's good. Did you have it? You didn't have a story then, Tor, because you got whored by Yeah, man. Yeah, I was just going to talk about you know my impactful childhood drink and see if any either of you two had any at at fast food restaurants. Um, like that you really associated with that restaurant. You go there, that's what I'm going to get. Well, the Coca Cola at McDonald's. I don't know if it's ever been proven 
that they do something to it, but they do. It's mm-hmm. it's different. Their ketchup is different, and I always, I think I always think that's my favorite. That, but this isn't a childhood thing. But going to a taco place, there was one in Springfield Mall called Taco Laredo, yeah. and then of course there's Tippies, which is my favorite. The taco places with the birch beer and the crushed ice is as good as it gets for me. I can't. I'll get it ten times out of ten. I'll drive extra uh, distances because I know a place. Has it? Um, as far as eating, that's not like a traditional fast food thing, but that's probably my one seed. I love the fact that Chick Fil A has they got Diet Dr Pepper and they have Coke Zero. Like they take the time to realize that more fat people drink a lot of diet soda, and there's way better diet sodas than just standard diet Coke. And I always really appreciate the fact they have both of those. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily have a favorite drink from my childhood. But do you did you guys ever just mix all the different sodas together? Yeah, we call it a suicide. Is yeah, what we call it. <laughs> I used to love doing that when I was a kid. I, did, I, I don't know why it had to be gross. I tried it as an adult and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> but I love doing that. Well, where you do it the most, of course, is the Slurpee machine at Seven mm-hmm. Eleven. Like you just sit there and you have this awful looking gloppy concoction. Yep. I haven't had a Slurpee in a hundred years, and I haven't had a desire to have it. Adults drink Slurpees. I feel like those are like the domain of the child. I've had Slurpees like when I was working outside during the summertime a lot. Um, I would get a Slurpee on my lunch break uh, just because it would cool you down. But they are not as good as I remember. I just I can't imagine going into to Seven Eleven and looking at that bank of big gulps and not getting a big gulp. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna I'm get a super big gulp. That's what I'm gonna get. And I don't know what it is about a super big gulp for me being completely palatable, but if I get the double gulp, I'm like, you fat pig, you loser, <laughs> you disgusting monster, you're getting a double gulp, you cow. I don't know what it is about it. Like a super big gulp to me is like, oh, yeah, this is going to make my dick hard. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. But then you get the double gulp, and you're like, oh, there you go. When you ever suck the jelly out of a jelly donut and fill it with French vanilla ice cream, you fat Sally? Like, I don't know what that is. It's weird. And then the construction workers, like Ant-Man, that bring in the giant... What one is that? The giant... Uh, it's a plastic mug the size yeah. of a Buick Skylark. And they fill that thing up. What is that called, man? I, I, mean, I, I know, know you've what, had to have one of those. I, I used to have one. I can't remember what it was called, but I, I'm pretty sure it was close to a half a gallon. <laughs> it's outrageous. And the problem with soda is, however much there is, that is how much I will drink. Yeah. So if there's two gallons of Coke Zero... And it's got ice in it. It's fucking going down the hatch. So I, you, you got to get the super big goal. Um, <clears throat> brings me to one of my favorite topics. And that is motherfucking the people that go for free Slurpee Day uh, oh. or fill up your own cup Slurpee Day at 7-Eleven. First of all, how little is your time worth? <laughs> how little do you value your life on this planet that you'll go and for... Fucking 45 minutes, you'll sit there to get a thimble full of a substance that maybe, maybe will cost you $2 the next day to fill up a bowling bag full of. I mean, it is the cheapest commodity on earth. It is ice with juice in it. That's all that it is. And the people that go to free slurry every day are the people that are lugging in football helmets. Like, I can fill up whatever I want. Slurpee. (laughs) I'm not going to wait in line. You're disgusting. Oh, it's just the worst. The only thing that's worse going into a 7-Eleven those fucking people are the lottery ticket people oh, yeah. that'll just sit there. And then the clerk, some, the good 7-Elevens have it down. They got a clerk for the jerk-ass lottery people, and they got a clerk for everyone else that's got some place to be. 
Like, give me my pack of Marlboro Lights. Give me my two taquitos and my Gatorade. Let me get the fuck out of this hellhole. <laughs> and everyone's sitting there. I'll take two more. Like, shoot six trio. Fuck off. And they make them go through all of it. And they're bleeping and bleeping. <coughs> bleeping, excuse me. Buying more goddamn lottery tickets. You're a lottery ticket guy, man. I know you've held up some 7-Eleven lines at some point. Yeah, I definitely buy some scratch-offs every now and then, but oh. I, I never win, so I'm just losing money. Just so I've never had to cash away. it in. But it's, it's funny that you say that. On our way down here, we stopped at a gas station, and I guess in North Carolina they have something where you can turn in your losing lottery tickets to get like a free pick six or something. Right. And some guy brought in like 30 of them, and this poor woman had to sit there while it would it was just dinging going... Free pick six, and then printing it out. Free pick six. I think what it is, lottery people are of low intellect, and I think also when you're of low intellect, you're not aware of your surroundings. So you're dealing with a stupid narcissist that doesn't know what's going on around them, and so then it's very much like what you just did with Tor's Orange High Sea story. Like You couldn't (laughs) be bothered to pay attention when he let you know that was that story, and you needed to say something, so you ruined everyone's time. Dick Smokin'. I'm going to pretend I have COVID. I'm going to take the master bedroom. I'm not thinking that, oh, when I leave, no one else is going to be able to use it. All I think about is me and my weird feet. Like, I just think that that's something that happens with low intellect people. What do you think, Tor? Uh, I'm I'm irritated when people are holding up the the, the, the 7-Eleven. For any, for any it's reason. It's just, I have places to be. You should have places to be. Also, 7-Eleven is, the reason why you're going there and paying the, the extra money is for convenience. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's for the fact that you want to be in and out. And you eliminate that, it just becomes a small, dirty store filled with awful people. Exactly. Now, I love 7-Elevens. It doesn't sound like that I do, but the conduct inside of them should be the same. Okay. Um, boys, we should wrap the BMI up. We all had a shared experience. Of course, that was Tor throttling Ant-Man cracking his head off the ground. <laughs> Before that, we had a different shared experience. Now, Ant-Man, when was the first time you sampled the pizza that we're going to dis- discuss here? It was two summers ago. Um, it was the first night of the summer trip uh down here okay and um i believe it was matt came back with two enormous pizzas we've been getting it for a couple of years down here tor you have not sampled this pizza correct it was my first experience with the pizza virginal sojourn is what we say because tor is a virgin so <laughs> we drove up in that smoke and, and brew through and tor was like ew <laughs> I already told you what the situation was. It did not look good. I, I, there was no promise for me sitting in the back with Ant-Man next to me and Mom and Dad. In the How you doing, honey? It was just... You want to watch me being able to keep an erection? <laughs> you had an entire bottom floor available for you to try to woo that poor girl. I, I, Absolutely no chance. Your wife was in the car. Like I said, I could, you gonna blame I my wife? I, I you got no game? I didn't want to holler in front of her. Holla, holla, let me holla at you, let me holla at you, let me holla at you. Um... <laughs> So, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, pizza. Yeah. Yes. Name of the place. I'll give them a free plug, even though um, the pizza is... How much was the pizza, hey, man? It was $52. <laughs> For one pizza. One large pizza. Now, was it worth it? Hell yeah. Okay. I know it was worth it for, for Tor, because the amount of tabs Tor has picked up down here is the same amount of decathlons <laughs> I've ran. Um, I'll get lunch today. You told me you're leaving right after the show. You're gonna get lunch for yourself. You're gonna get more nuggets and spicy chicken sandwiches. <laughs> I tried to get it, get it at the bar last night. No, it's fine. I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding, of course. Um, it's called Slice Pizzeria. All right. I think it's in mile post about seven or eight, right next to the brewing station. I don't know what they call. It. Do we even know what they call the pizza? It's called the stuffed meat pizza. Okay. 
inside of this pizza is pepperoni sauce, cheese. Uh, looks to be some onions. Um, there's some meatballs. And then there's shaved ribeye inside of this pizza. And you say, well, Dukes, how do they do it? There's dough on the bottom and there's dough on the top. And basically, and I think you could describe it as this tour, it's almost like a, a calzone pizza or a stromboli pizza or something of that nature. Yes. But it's sliced up like a pizza. Like it's a big, the, the conveyance is the big round pizza format. Um, it comes with a big tub of marinara because there's no marinara on the inside. So you actually drizzle that on the top or you, you dip it or what have you. And the marinara is delectable as well, but it works with or without it. That, would, of course, was the marinara that made Ant-Man make this noise. <laughs> in the back of the car. Um, this pizza is a fucking home run. Like the home run Ant-Man is going to hit off tour. Absolutely delicious. Uh, it is, I have to give you credit, Gigantor. I've never seen anyone comfortably finish two slices of this thing. And I, I felt like you did that to the extent of, I believe later on the night, you went back for a unprecedented third slice of this pizza, which again, I have never been able to touch that. I'm a man that likes to eat. What did you think of your first slice meat fucking goddamn orgasm pizza? It was delicious. Now, at school, it was calzone country. So I was used to calzones. I need to go to calzone country. <laughs> Sounds like my hood. <laughs> but so I'm used to the, that kind of style of the, the breading all around. But you couldn't. You, if, if you get it hot, you can't eat it with, with your hands. No. You, it's just not going to physically work or happen for you. So fork and knife style. It was delicious. I'm eating. It felt like I was just eating all the good meats. Great cheese, and the sauce on top was great. And then for the third slice that I had, it was cold, and I just went handheld with it. And, it's great. And, By the way, cold is delicious. Yeah. It, Did it taste any better because you knew how inconvenienced Ant-Man was by carrying the pizza around until we were able to eat it? 100%. Yeah, there's a lot of lap time for that pizza, and I think one of the reasons why the heat didn't dissipate is because of the enormous amount of, like, B <laughs> BTUs, that, that, uh, BTUs, rather, that, or what is it, BTUs? That, I think so. That Ant-Man's lap generates, and so it was able to keep the pizza warm. Um, Ant-Man, you eat a lot of pizza. Yeah. Where does this rank? Uh, this is definitely my one seed. I love it. I look forward to getting one it One seed of time. all pizzas? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, this is my favorite thing to get down here. Um, I know we're at the beach, and it should be seafood, but that sliced pizza is a home run. It's always fun going to a place to eat with Ant-Man, and like they're known for their seafood, and then you watch him just order a big bowl of pasta. <laughs> with like additional bread and cheese on top of it. And I'm like, well, this is like taking a four-year-old out to eat every single time. I didn't need that pancake yesterday, but it was my first time experiencing that breakfast joint. They're, they're known, Bob's for, they're known the for pancakes. I had to get a pancake and try that. That was an enormous pancake, Jeez. by the way. Good. By the way, if you would have hit Ant-Man with that pancake, it would have ended the fight. <laughs> it would have ended the fight so quickly. It would have been concussed. Um, I don't know how you boys feel. I don't like when people fuck around with pizza. Um I don't mind it. It's like I'll try a stuffed crust or whatever it is, bacon wrapped. You know, like people do all this different stuff. I just feel like, for me, the same way I don't need to dip wings in ranch or blue cheese. Like a hot wing is such a delicious food. Pizza is so perfect that I really don't need you to gimmick it up all that much. So to say it's my favorite, I probably couldn't do that. But I don't like margarita pizza. I'm like upside down pizza. It's like just stop fucking with this thing. It's perfect. That said. Incredibly unique. I've never seen a pizza like this. I guess it's the shaved ribeye that's inside of it that makes it that much more savory. And then also, 
I, I don't know about you boys. There, I don't know a lot of a chain pizza restaurants that have really good dough. I mean, dough is the hardest part of the pizza to do. And there's this big, like, kind of folded over, almost treble clef of dough at the end of it where the crust should be. And that's as good as the rest of the shit inside of it. I think that's what separates it. The dough, it was first, it was cooked perfectly. On the bottom, yeah. you could tell that it, it had been just it perfectly brown, all of it. It was great dough also. And then in the crust itself, I mean, it's like the world's biggest cigar that you're trying to put down. It was great with the marinara itself. It's like you have that to dip. You have that to scoop up whatever you dropped. It, it was just a perfect amount of excess dough and how they used it. And to dip that dough, their marinara sauce is good too. Mm. And that's tough to do all three of those things. And then to dip a big chunk of that dough in the marinara sauce afterwards was absolutely uh, splendid there for us. I wonder, this is a remote place. You know, There's not a lot of mm. anything down here except uh, seafood. I wonder why we don't have anything like that up where we're from. Where there, I feel like there's a pizza delivery place every 15 feet. I've never seen any type of pizza like that in the Washington, D.C. area or any of the other places I've lived. I wonder why that's not more of a, a common thing. I've seen pizza done that way up in New York. They have some of those stuffed well, pizzas, but never like – not like that. Not with all that, that meat and not that thick. I mean it's usually a thinner slice. Those slices, T-H-I-C-C, by the way. It's yeah, those, how thick it is. <laughs> those slices have to weigh a pound a piece, easy. I mean, they're and it's so good. It, it's just unbelievable. And like you said, the dough is a, a ten out of ten. It is. How many? Like, how annoying do you think it is to be that chick at the brew through? Because <laughs> she's got to get like just absolutely besieged. With dudes hitting on her the entire time. But I bet it's good for a lot of tips. Oh, but she, you get a lot of tips in that joint. Yeah, she definitely gets tipped well. And and that cop had to be there for at least 30 minutes. We I drove mean, up, and he was spitting game. And then we saw the car leave, and I didn't see no cash get exchanged. Yeah. I didn't see Diet Cokes <laughs> get thrown into the cab. We know what he was there for. Yeah. He knows when she's working, he slides on through. <laughs> there was a moment while I was in the back seat, and I was on the side uh, behind Dukes. Uh, and I realized, Tor, you haven't blinked in about... A minute. Smoke. Please stop staring at her because you're just staring. And you're a pig. That thing, too, is off-season, man. Like, February, rainy night. Like, you expect that is summertime mm-hmm. level ability and talent. You know what I mean? Like, that's, this is not the fall league. Yeah, she was beautiful. She was. I feel bad for her, too. Very nice. <laughs> I try to be as... When I'm in a situation like that, and I know that every other person on Earth is hitting on this girl, I try to go out of my way to make sure that it's a professional exchange. Like, how are you? Yes, how's your father? Excellent. It's <laughs> a good um, play. Go ahead and stay in school. Right. Mutual funds, you know anything about those? Um, speaking of good ideas, Joe Azer. Tor, we love Joe Azer. Absolutely the best, tremendous sponsor of this show. Um, Northern Virginia guy, knows the business. You looking to buy? You looking to sell? You looking to not do a lot of work? You looking to have somebody else take care of all the hard stuff? For you, Joe Azer is your man. Got his information right there on the Chad Duke Show Instagram, but you can call him whenever you like. 571-989-AZER. It's 571-989-2937. Market red hot right now. You want to take advantage. You want to make sure that you have a professional that knows the business. Maximize your earning potential when you're selling your house. Um, He's going to do all the hard work. You're not going to do any of the hard work. He's going to do all the hard work. He can fix stuff. Um, if there's appliances that need to be swapped out, staging, the photographing, all of it. If you're looking to buy, you mentioned this show, you're going to get a two-year home warranty at no cost to you as the buyer. And if you're looking to sell, he's going to sell your home for a flat fee of 
percent at closing and cover the cost of the seller's home warranty you're not going to get a better deal he's already gotten back to me and said hey got some of your filthy animals listening to the show calling me up about buying about selling great time for you to upgrade too with COVID going on you're gonna be spending more time in your house call joe he's the man and he's got uh, very good taste in radio show slash podcast slash whatever this is joe azer 571-989 azer go ahead and give him a shout and of course all the information is on our instagram as well love joe Love all of our sponsors, and thank you to all of you clown shoes for supporting all of our sponsors. That pizza is going to be tough to be top, but I got to say, man, many good meals down here, Ant-Man. I think at one point I had taken pictures of you with roughly a quarter mile of food <laughs> in front of you, and I got to say, queso fundido, if somebody came up to me and said, look, we can either cure cancer or every day we're going to make you a plate full of queso fundido. I'm sorry. I think everybody's got to still keep dying of cancer because that stuff, well, I'm just poor. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. But, I mean, if you just gave that stuff to me on a shovel, you ever had queso fundido? It's like the sausage and the cheese. It's a dip. It's a dip that you get the Mexican joints. Yeah, I've had it. It's delicious. It's unnecessarily delicious to put put chorizo and and peppers into it. It's just, who doesn't? And also, who could even think of it? I always order it before I'm ordering, like, some massive sunken burrito or anything. And I'm just like, why? This could be the meal. This could be it. Remember to follow the show on social media at Chad Dukes on Twitter and Chad Dukes Show on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. Thanks for checking out the Friday episode of the Chad Dukes Show. Thank you to Jay Turner Sekar, Brian Shea, Headlock Gaming, uh, Ant Man. Everybody that we had on this week was a great week. All the boys for the movie club and again uh you get an episode every day over on chaddukeshow.com and then we're throwing bonus shows at you all the time did a video game show this week did a music show the week before um there's always additional content going up so make sure you're considering going to chaddukeshow.com and uh, subscribing throwing a couple saw bucks down on the look here's what i say Cancel Amazon Prime, cancel Netflix, the WWE Network, Sirius XM, whatever you got to cancel. Do you really need Peacock or the new Paramount? No, you need the Chad Duke Show. I'm going to be here for ye. So thank you to all of you that have taken the plunge and signed up for things over there on the website. Got to give a big uh, thank you to my bookie. That's right. MyBookie.ag, Jack, the only place your pal throws cash. Go on over there, use the promo code DUKES, D-U-K-E-S. You do that, they're going to take care of you. Mobile-friendly device, uh, website, whatever it is you're going to use. Your deposit will be matched up to halfway, up to $1,000. You're going to get some extra credit over there. Just use the promo code D-U-K-E-S when you make your first deposit. And the best part is you're going to make that deposit. It's easy. Credit card, bank, transfer, Bitcoin. They do it all. And look, friendos, it's the best time of the year to bet because you are going to watch football anyway. You want to... you want to check out some UFC? Maybe it's not the cut of your jib. I got a bet for you. You're going to bet on a fight, man. You're going to care about that fight. Actually, going to my bookie makes you a better sports fan. Derek Lewis, uh, Derek Lewis by the way, fighting this Saturday. That's my guy. 
Uh, he's plus 335 against Curtis Blades, plus 335. You know what that means? 10 bucks will win you $33.50. That's what that means. And you say, well, Dukes, clearly he's a dog. Yeah, but he's got knockout power in both hands. That guy can end any fight. He's not out of any fight. What was it, Alexander Volkov? I think he won in like the last three seconds of the fight. And... Dude's hilarious. Uh, he's really easy to root for. So go on over there. You know, put a bet down, 10, 20 bucks, whatever. It's going to make it more interesting to watch the fight. And they got, what, the, the NBA, the NHL. Tor, you actually have a – do you have a tennis bet for this weekend? Is that what we're talking about now? The tennis bet for this weekend is happening at 3.30 in the uh, morning on the 19th. So I will Jesus. not be uh, taking that one. Instead, <laughs> I'm going to have to turn heel and fade you – you're fading on, me. Yeah, on uh, Curtis Blades, minus 435. I am ice cold. I literally have yeah, you, not won a bet terrible. on the show picking. I have, I have to take a risk. Do you think maybe this is a situation? Well, I'm, I'm betting, I just think this that's a, a big, you can win. It's a good win proposition for me, uh, just because the guy's got knockout power. But clearly he's a dog. What I'm saying is fading me is not the way to go, young man. Correcting whatever your decision-making process is the way to go. Because for the record, Tor was over three in his last three, and I was three and oh in my last three. So that's where we're at. So you know who to listen to if you're going on over to my bookie. So that's that's your whole plan now, just to bet against me? I'll, no, not really. It's I'm taking the, the George Costanza approach, and all of my instincts have always been wrong. <laughs> Fair so enough. I like Derek Lewis, and he does have knockout power, and he rules. But unfortunately, I have to kind of go against myself here. I choose to expose myself. Please, there are <laughs> ladies present. Uh, love my bookie. Tremendous uh, sponsors and supporters of the show. They've got all the latest odds, no matter what it is. MMA, soccer, NFL, NBA, college basketball. I know you're betting a lot of college basketball tour. March Madness right around the corner. Go on over to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Dukes, D-U-K-E-S, and they will hook you up on that first deposit. God bless them. God bless all of you guys. Uh, if you're subscribed to this show, uh, thank you. Uh, please take a moment to leave a five-star review. That would be absolutely tremendous. Uh, every little bit helps. And look, even if you subscribe, this show is a great way for you to show people how much fun we're having and over on the Chad Duke Show. So go ahead and uh, spread that word to all the good people out there in Takerland. Um, they can get a little taste of what's going on right here each and every Friday. Quick reminder, Long Halloween continues Saturday, Commonwealth Dragons. I'll be there working all day. Old Town Fairfax, you should come on by. We're going to have this spicy dill pickle jerky. Got a bunch of pickles in stock, actually. They're absolutely delicious. Of course, uh, Chapter 6, brand new Halloween candle. We're doing one each and every month for an entire year. John Carpenter's The Thing is the subject of this one. So stop on by the shop if you haven't. It'll be a good time on Saturday. Tor, thank you. Always good to uh, be here with you, bud. Uh, can't wait to see you tonight. Going to be exciting. We got lots and lots to do. The Chad Dukes show Friday Night Hoot Nanny is tonight on Facebook Live. If you're listening on Friday, come check us out. Facebook.com slash Chad Dukes show. We go live at 7 p.m. for a video Hoot Nanny. It is an S-load of fun, and we love to have you there. Good Lord is willing, and the creeks don't rise. We'll meet you on Facebook at 7 p.m. tonight. Roll out those trash cans, Tor. We're not